Right now we're opening our scriptures and we're going to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter number 24. Matthew 24. Today is where we're going to begin. And I'm going to look at, you know, uh, I have been, and I really didn't plan for this, but I've been in Noah's story. This wasn't something I planned three months ago. I'm going to preach through Noah, but, but the Lord seemed to open this up to me. I didn't plan to come back to it this week, but the Holy Spirit seemed to open this up to me. And so I'm going to look at Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to look at verses 37 through 39, and it's going to lead us into this story of Noah again. Matthew 24, verse 37. But as, now, now of course, this is Jesus speaking. But as the days of Noah were, so also, say that with me, so also. So in other words, something that happened is going to happen again. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as of the days before the flood, they were, they were eating and drinking. They were marrying and giving in, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Verse 39. They did not know, and they did not know. They did not know until the flood came and took them away, all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man And I pray the Lord bless his word to your heart today. In Jesus' name. Now, as we, as we just for a moment ca- capsulize this verse, what we see here is this, is that what Jesus is saying is that the people of Noah's day were given up, if we could set that way. They were caught up in earthly activities, and and some of those mentioned are not evil activities. They're just secular activities that both the saved and the lost engage in at times. And they said they were engaging in these activities up to the very day, the very day before before the flood began to burst forth on the world. It says here, and I emphasize, they didn't know. They didn't know. There was a spiritual blindness in them. Though Noah had been preaching Though Noah was unambiguous in his declaration of what was going to happen, it seems like to me this indicates there was a, there was a sense of rejection and what you don't use, you lose. You know, the Bible says that he that has more will be given. He that has not, that which he has will be taken away. You have to, you have to continually cultivate a heart of obedience and a heart of receptivity. You know, you wonder why, why, do, why does the Lord speak to some people more than he does other people? It's because they have cultivated their heart to hear from God. They've continued to use it and they got more. You want more of God? Seek more of God. But notice this, they were caught up in the mundane activities of life, so much so that it blinded them to the sudden danger that was about to burst upon them. I mean, if we could make it in a modern terms, we could say it this way. We could say that some of them were watching a football game. Some of them were shopping. Some of them were watching, binging on TV. Some of them were making wedding preparations. 
It's like, if it, I've almost pictured it like this in, in the, a prairie fire. And Australia has a lot of those fires. Sweeping across those plains at breakneck speed. And here comes the, here comes the fire. And yet they're sitting in their front yard playing croquet. Just oblivious to what's about to happen. That's the context here. The suddenness, the unaware thing. You know, our world is about to experience some things. And you know what? They're unaware. They don't realize that there's a blindness that's come in until the very day they're caught up in stuff. Now, as we look here in Noah, what we discover is in this story over the last few weeks, it's just I've allowed the Holy Spirit to speak to me. And one of the strong things the Holy Spirit spoke to me is about our families. The Bible said Noah saved his family. He built an ark to the saving of his family. You've got you've to save your family. You've got to guard. I know Jesus saves, but he used his parents to do it. We've got to save our families. And then last week we talked about the nature of saving faith. Today I just want to title this, As in the Days of Noah. Now, if you'll notice, he's saying there's going to be similarities of the days of Noah. Those, those last days leading up to the flood. Jesus said those things, the, the, the characteristics in the society, right before the second coming of Jesus, he said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Now, we could take this many ways in Scripture. We could talk about the characteristics of those dark days in which Noah lived in. And I think they're going to be dark, and they're dark now in our nation. Seem to be getting darker. That's why the church is necessary. That's why we're the light. We, we've got to get out and get the light lit again. We've got to get the salt out of the salt shaker again. Why? Because we are, the, we are, we are making known the manifold wisdom of God. We're making it known in the world. The enemy wants to shut us down. And I realize that even some of these people that are doing this, they're victims themselves. They're victims themselves. We're not battling against flesh and blood. This is a spiritual battle. And it can only be won on our knees before God. We take this a lot of ways. We could talk about those days when it became so bad in which the Lord said he regretted that he had made man. The intent of their heart was evil. But I, I don't want to look at that. What I want to look at is I want to look at more at what God was doing. And I want to look at what Noah was doing. I want to look at what God was doing, and I want to look at what Noah is doing. I'm going to tell you, I don't care how dark it gets, we can live victorious for Jesus in any darkness because we have light in us, right? The greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We are the children of the living God, and we are to stand courageously. We're good soldiers. But I want to look at three characteristics, and this has to do, you know, not, not, with, not with the culture, not really with the lost people so much as what God was doing and what God was doing in Noah. What's it going to be like? What, and what, what kind of atmosphere do we have to worship in and, and serve in, that is? So what were those days like? What were the days like? What was God doing? Here's the first thing that I want you to see, and that's this. Noah's time was a time of God's patience. Do you realize that? You say, well, it was a dark, yeah, it was a dark time. I'm talking about what God's doing. It, the days of Noah were a demonstration of the patience and the long-suffering of our God. 
Now, God gets a bad rap from people that don't know him and people that are godless and spiritless and they don't know God. But we know God. And I can tell you this, he's good. He's good and his mercy endures forever. Now, what a lot of people have been asking during this pandemic is, is this question. Is this the judgment of God? Is this pandemic the judgment of God? And that's a difficult question. And the reason it's a difficult question is because it doesn't have a one-dimensional answer. We have to answer it according to what the Word of God says. So if we could phrase it another way, and, and if you were to ask me this, is this the manifestation of the final judgment and wrath of God? I would say, no, this is not that. You see that? This is not that. This is not, this is not the outpouring of His final wrath. For instance, it says in Thessalonians and to wait for the Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. It's not that wrath. So we could say, no, this is not that. Or in the Revelation chapter 6, when we see the end of the, the, end of the world as we know it, the end of the age, in Revelation 6, 16, it says, and he said, they said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed how strange that verse is. I have never seen an angry lamb. Have you ever seen an angry lamb? I haven't. But we have in that verse the nature of God. See, in Jesus is the fullness of of the Godhead in bodily form. You want to know what God the Father's like? Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When I see Jesus, I see God. Did you ever see Jesus become angry? Absolutely. Did you ever see Jesus shed tears? You see the heart of God. Jesus is not one-third compassion and you know, one-eighth anger. And one, he is fully God in every way. The perfect manifestation of, of his nature in absolute perfection, in absolute balance. Our God is a perfect God. He's the only God. The wrath of the Lamb. Notice this. He said, for the great day, for the great day of his wrath has come. And who is able to stand is this the judgment of God? No, it's not that. It's not that. This is not the great day of his wrath. But what I want you to see is it's not an easy question. Because if you were to phrase it another way and say, well, what is this? I would say this is the preliminary judgments. These are the preliminary judgments of God as we approach the second coming. Some called it birth pangs or, you know, the beginning of sorrows. See, there's, a diff there's different types and there's different, how about I say it, manifestations of judgment before judgment, if I could say it that way, which are really designed to wake humanity up to the mercy of God. Here's what Psalm 105 verse 7 says, a very important verse. Psalm 105 verse 7 he is the Lord. He is the Lord. He's Yahweh. Our God. His judgments are in 
all the earth. Do you see that? Not final judgment, not the great day of his wrath, but his judgments are in all the earth. We, we want to be true to Scripture. As, our, as, our, as the people of the Lord here at Trinity Life, we have a high view of Scripture. We don't, we don't take our lives and try to push it into the Bible to make it believe what it wants to believe. We let the Word of God. We don't, we're not about eisegesis. We're about exegesis. What does God say to us? What do we see from Scripture? And what we see from Scripture is we see these preliminary judgments. We see local judgments. We even see individual judgments. But not final judgment. Not the great day of his wrath. We even see in the New Testament church, they were receiving an offering and someone dropped dead. That's a serious offering, y'all. Come on. But I remember there was a time when the Lord spoke to Israel and spoke to a prophet. And the Lord said to him, Elijah the Tishbite, he says, he said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be no dew or rain these years except by my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, and he yet it's another word. So the prophet was the mouthpiece of God to Ahab and to Israel who had sinned against him. This was a judgment. God withheld rain for three and a half years. That was a, that was a localized, we could say nationalized manifestation of the temporary judgment of God, the preliminary, not the big judgment, not the great day of his wrath, but part of, part of his nature to bring correction. Why did God bring that judgment to Israel? Listen to this, verse 17 and 18. Then it happened, this is three and a half years later, when Ahab saw Elijah. Don't you know that when the man of God spoke to the king and said, Ahab, there'll be no rain, there'll be no dew, it's going to get really dry, sir, until I say so. That's the authority that God gave the prophet Elijah. I bet you in his arrogance, in his pride, he probably snickered on the inside. Stupid preacher. Foolish man of God. Always talking about that God stuff. Always talking about that we got to obey God stuff. Now here it is three and a half years later. Don't you think he's thinking, man, I wish I could find that guy. It got really dry. Can you imagine not having any rain here in Texas? The kind of summers we have. Three and a half years. It would get serious. Remember when the lake started drying up around here? Remember I drive across Ray Hubbard Lake Bridge. And I'm going to tell you. I thought it'll take 40 years to fill that thing back up. But how I many you know God began to hear our prayers. And within a month or two. We got more rain. Listen to this. We had enough rain to fill. I think it was. Rhode Island or one of those little states with 10 feet of rain. That's how much rain we got in Texas over like a six or seven week period. I believe God began, remember how we prayed? God began to pray, we began to pray to our God and God began to hear it. You know what? God will hear us again if we'll pray. If we'll not stay locked up and fearful, but if we'll step up and say, we are going to take our stand publicly for God. But then he says, Ahab said to Elisha, that Ahab said to him, is that you, O troubler of Israel? Is that you, O troubler of Israel? He said, I've not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have. For you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the bells. What's the problem in America? 
It's that church. It's those conservative people. It's those people that believe a certain way about marriage, that believe a certain way about morals, that believe a certain way about this. They're trouble. They're always causing trouble. If we could get rid of them, then the trouble would be gone. No, the trouble would just begin. The church is the only thing keeping this thing together. Sodom didn't know. Sodom did not know that it was a few people that were keeping the judgment of God back. Do you realize just a few Christians can cause God to withstand his hand of judgment? He's patient. Now look at this. Because it says, because you followed the bells. Localized judgment. We could say in Israel, nationalized judgment. Look at Haggai 1 and 9. You looked for much, but indeed it came little. And when you brought it home, it blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, this is a localized judgment. This is a national judgment on, on God's people Israel in ancient time. This is an illustration that I'm using. Is this the big judgment, the coronavirus? Is this the big judgment? Is this the beginning of the day of his wrath? No. But I think God is speaking to us at some level in a preliminary way. Now listen. Things weren't, I read verse 9. What it was saying, things are not working out for us. Hey, God and them. Things are not working out. We bring money home and it just goes like a sieve through our hands. What's wrong, Lord? Here's the problem. My house lies in ruins. You know, I wonder if things that are not going well with people, if people would start trying to build Trinity Life Church and start pouring money in here and start pouring things in here, God would, if, if you'll fix God's house, he'll fix your house. If you'll support God's house, He'll support your house. If you'll build God's house, he'll build your house. If you'll bring unity to God's house, he'll bring unity to your house. It's called the laws of sowing and reaping. And it says here, my house lies in ruins. They'd forgotten God's house. They had forgot the reason that they existed. While every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above have withheld the dew and the earth withholds its fruit. For I have called for a drought on the land, and on the mountains, and on the grain, and on the new wine, and on the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men, and on livestock, and on all the labor of our hands. How many know our God can still control economies? He can bless, or he can tighten it up. He can open the windows of heaven when we're walking in obedience and walking in righteousness. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. But look at this. We see that. There again, is this the big judgment? No. What about, what about the Jews of Jesus' day? There again, an illustration of the localized preliminary judgments. Notice what Jesus said. He prophesied in 24, verse 2. And Jesus said to them, do you see these things? Assuredly, I say to you that not one stone shall be left here upon another, that there shall not be thrown down. He's talking about the beautiful temple. 46 years to build. It was, actually, it was actually an addition to Zerubbabel's temple. Herod the Great, madman, but a great architect, a great, amazing builder. 46 years to build. And Jesus, the humble carpenter from Nazareth, said... There's coming a time that not one stone shall be left upon another. Was that the big judgment? Was that the great? No, no, no. No, but it was the judgment of God. Look at this. It says in Thessalonians, I think we have a nuance of this. 
Paul now is talking about the Jews. Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles. That they may be saved so as always to fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. Paul is probably referring to judgment that came upon Jerusalem in 70 A.D. by Titus, the Roman general. Wrath has come upon them. God was patient with them. God sent to Jerusalem his son. God sent the son of God to them who manifested miracles that so many miracles that John in his writing later said, if everything had written down, he said, I suppose that all the books in the world could not contain all the miracles, all the signs and wonders. And yet they rejected them and then wrath came upon them to the uttermost. Was that the big wrath? Was that the big wrath? Was that the great day of his wrath? No, no, but it was a preliminary manifestation of that. Primarily, how does God deal with today with these kinds of things in a New Testament sense. Well, we have it recorded in Romans 1, verse 21. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, but nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Notice this phrase. Therefore, God gave them up. God gave them up to uncleanness, to the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie. And that's idolatry. Idolatry is the lie. It's the lie about God. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up. He says it again. God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use against what is against nature, etc. Here's the point. Here's the primary way that God deals in judgment today. Have you ever seen someone go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in sin and deeper in sin and deeper in sin and deeper in sin? sin? What that is, is a preliminary manifestation of the judgment of God. One of the ways of God's judgment is for him to just take his hands off and allow. See, because within sin, there is judgment built into sin itself. It's, it's, it's like the laws of... So, it's, it's built in. That what you sow is what you reap. It's built in. It's just the natural thing that happens or the normal course of thing that happen when somebody violates the Word of God. And here it says, He gave them up. He just allowed sin to have its course in humanity or in someone's life. Let me stop and say this. I'm so grateful for the conviction of the Holy Spirit I'm so grateful that when the Holy Spirit deals with us about some disobedience in our lives as Christians, you know what that is? That's his mercy. That's his mercy. That's his grace. And I never want to, I would encourage all of us, never ignore the the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Never ignore, never push away in a callous way. Never grieve the Holy Spirit. When he speaks to us, he speaks to us so that we can continue to walk in fellowship. With Father God. Now think about this today. 
God is patient. God is kind. God is loving. But his judgments are in all the earth. Not the big judgment. Not the great day of his wrath. But there are judgments. There's time in God's only, only in God's wisdom that he decides to do certain things. But you know his patience is to bring us to repentance. God does judge sin both in time but ultimately in eternity. Now I wonder something. Have you noticed how hard New York City was hit with coronavirus? Did you notice that? Why New York City? I don't know because God hasn't told me this. But I do know his word. Why New York City? Do you remember not too many months back when Governor Como sat down with a group of people and signed into law in that city the most radical late-term abortion, the most radical, the most cruel, if you were, I, I, won't even, I won't even describe it to you, so cruel, signed it into law in the state of New York. Do you remember what God hates? He hates those who shed innocent blood. And I remember watching that and they're sign he's signing and they're all and guess what they're they're all clapping. They're all clapping. They're all giddy. They're all clapping. Oh, this is a wonderful advancement for women's choice. And I just wonder and I say again, God hasn't spoken to me, but I do wonder, is there a connection? Is there a connection to what I just said? The Word of God says this in Romans 1, verse 32. This is the NC, NCB version. It says, they know God's laws. They know God's law says to those who live like this that they should die. But they themselves not only continue to do these evil things, they applaud others who do them. And that's what happened on that day. They're applauding the most vicious, murderous taking of innocent, precious life. And I just wonder if there's a connection. I just wonder. Here's what I'm telling you. In the days of Noah, the world becoming so vile, so dark. And yet it says, listen to this verse, 1 Peter 3.20 who formerly were disobedient. These are those in his day who were formerly disobedient. It says, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah. While the ark was being prepared in a few, in which a few, that is, eight souls were saved through water. Why did God wait? Why was God long-suffering? The divine long-suffering. That's just the God, our God, long-suffering. And we know, we read down uh, or read up in, or, or read in the next book of Peter. Here's what it says of why God waits. And this, why, this is why it's so important that we pray. Because this is the heart of God. This is why there's delay in judgment. This is why there's, there's long-suffering. This is what the heart of God is. 
And it's 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. As some count slackness. That's the promise of judgment. God has said there's going to be judgment. There's, ah, it's all been the same. They said, you guys have been saying Jesus is going to come for years. God's not slack concerning His promises. You hear me today. Jesus will come again. But notice this. But His long-suffering toward us. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Therefore, verse 14. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to found in Him in peace without, having, without spot or, blame, or blame, blameless and blameless. Notice, consider the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. There it is. Consider the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. I want to tell you, when Jesus died on the cross, He took our sin. He took the punishment. In fact, the Bible says He took the sins of the whole world. John said, behold it, the Lamb of God who takes the sin, takes away the sin of the whole world. Jesus took our payment. But for that to be real and operative in an individual's life, they have to yield to his salvation. They have to call upon his name. They have to trust his saving grace. The reason for delay, the reason for God's patience in Noah's day was because Noah's day, like our day, was a day of salvation. You say, no, it was a day of judgment. Yes, ultimately it was a day of judgment. But before God waited, it says it. Peter talked about Noah's day. His long suffering was about salvation. What he wanted them to do is, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Noah was warning them. Listen, he was warning them. I'm sure there was tears that would flow down. And he wanted them to say, Noah, we believe what you're saying. We believe God is speaking to you. Could we get a place on the ark? And Noah would say, come on in. Come on in. But they never said that. They were eating. They were drinking. They were given in marriage. Watching TV. They were caught up in all the normal activities of life until that very day. And then God's patience ran out. God is patient. But his patience runs out sometimes. You see that? Now, God's been patient with America. Those who came to these shores so many years ago, they didn't come seeking gold. They came seeking God. They came wanting religious freedom. In our great constitution, there's no, greater, there's no greater human document on the face of the earth. Now, of course, this is the greater document, but I'm talking about a human-produced document. There's nothing greater than the constitution of the United States. Why do you think people are trying to get here still? With all of our problems still, people are trying to climb over walls to get here. Because God has blessed this land. And in our great constitution, we have the freedom to worship. They don't have it in China. The greatest civil rights violations and and religious rights violations is happening in China. Millions and millions and millions of people are persecuted in China. But yet we have the freedom 
to worship. We have the freedom to worship without the government telling us how we were, even though the, the loudmouth imbecile that runs the state of California said that they can't sing. Well, I'm going to sing because God said that I should lift up my voice and sing. Why would I listen to him when I want to listen to God? Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Shout unto God with a voice of praise. We have the freedom to worship. We have the right of gathering. We have the right of assembly. We have the freedom to assemble together. That's what we're doing this morning. And yet there's all these little local stuff. I want to be a good citizen. But there comes a time when you realize this is not about that anymore. There comes a time when you realize, as sad as Mr. Floyd's death was and it was wrong, you realize now it's gone beyond that. And powers have hijacked those movements. And now it's Marxist and it's atheist and it's godless and it's anti-Bible, anti-family, anti-God, anti-law. Wake up, church. We're about to give more away than we will ever be able to get back in 20 lifetimes if we don't take a stand now. God's been patient with this nation. What we're seeing is not the big judgment. It's not the wrath to come. It's not the wrath of the Lamb. But you have to say it's something. You can't say it's a blessing. Economy shut down. People lost jobs. Churches afraid to come and worship. You telling me that's God? No, I'm telling you that's the devil. That's the product of sin. That's, a, that's the wages of death. The wages of sin brings death, brings death to worship, death to churches, death to families, death to marriages, death to prosperity. I, I can tell you this. If this nation would turn, back, or turn around and turn back to God, if we'd repent and get right with God, there would be such a flood tide of prosperity and blessing. It would shock the world. It would shock the world at the rivers of blessing. People would stand in other nations and with their mouth hung open because God wants to bless this nation, but he'll never bless sin. He's a holy God. He showed us that. And in Noah's day, the Lord waited. Waited for 120 years. Do you realize that the Lord was going to judge the Canaanites? And the Lord spoke, I think it was in Abraham's time. He said that the, the, the sin of the Canaanites wasn't full yet. He waited another 400 years before he judged those people. But any one of them could have been saved. You know, Rahab was a Canaanite. They could have turned. So what is today? I have some more to say. I'll probably say the second couple things I have in the next service if I get to it. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of God's mercy. You know, I shudder to say, I shudder to think where I would be today if, if I hadn't responded to the message to the witness. I mean, with me, my whole, and I know in the eyes of God it doesn't, but in my eyes it does. My whole destiny hinges on a 20-second conversation. 20 seconds. 
I'm in a locker between fourth and fifth period. And a young lady named Renee invited me to her church. 20 seconds. And I shudder today to think where I would be if I had not heeded the voice that was speaking. Hmm. The Bible says this, and I'll conclude. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, 1, We then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. And I I plead with America today, and I pray that every pastor would plead with America today, don't receive the grace of God in vain. Don't, don't ignore the spiritual heritage of the word of God. and the law, Even the laws that we have have come from the laws of Moses. Anyone could see that. A Judeo-Christian society. The blessing of God to rescue us in World War II. To rescue us. And to continue to bless us, don't receive the grace of God in vain. And then Paul said this, for he says, it is an acceptable time. In an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day. Salvation. As the days wound down, as those 120 years, 119 years and 11 months in Noah's day, and Noah was kept saying, Listen, today's the day of salvation. You can be rescued, you can be saved. And then finally, the door shut. You know, the door's going to shut one day on all of our lives. Individually, the door will shut. And you'll breathe your breath for the last time. One day, the door will shut on America if we don't turn our backs or turn back to God, that is. Today is the day of salvation. And I, I challenge you, get your heart right with God. If you're watching on this video, get your heart right with God. Call upon the name of Jesus. Surrender your heart to Him. Repent of your sin. And get right with God. Because God was patient. And he waits. And he waits and he waits. But there comes a time when it runs out. Let's don't send our days of grace away. Let's avail ourselves to this great salvation. Father, today, how grateful we are for your amazing mercy. For your amazing love and compassion. Father, I pray that we would you would speak to our hearts about our salvation. I pray that you'd speak to us about this amazing patience and grace that you have demonstrated in each of our lives. You demonstrated it in Noah's day. The divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah. Noah kept building. Noah kept preaching. Lord, in, in individual lives today, you're speaking I pray for those that you're speaking to. I pray that you would let their heart be surrendered to you in salvation. They would confess their sins, turn away from sin, and trust 
Jesus alone. Trust the grace of Christ alone by faith. That what Jesus did on the cross was sufficient for us. And Lord, I pray for our land today. I pray for our nation today. I pray that you would let revival return to this nation. We know that during some of the darkest times in our nation, right, right when that was happening, revival broke out. So we know that where sin abounds, grace can much more abound. We believe you're not true with America. And Lord, I pray today in the name of your son Jesus that in the midst of this darkness, in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of this conflict, Lord, that you'd begin to pour out saving grace and let multitudes and thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands come to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Save now, Lord. Hosanna, save now. Save our nation. Save our nation. Would you stand with me and just pray for our nation right now? Lord, save our nation. Lord, save our nation. Come on, just cry out to the Lord for just a moment. Lord, save this nation. Save this land, Lord. We pray the blood of Christ over this land. We pray, God, that you would step forth as the lion of the tribe of Judah and roar once again, mighty Jesus. Roar. You're a lamb, but you're also a lion. Roar, Lord, and push back the enemy from our land. Push back the powers of hell and rebellion and atheism and idolatry and immorality. Push it back from our land. And Lord, let the grace of God flow. Let families and let dads begin to wake up and say, I'm taking my kids back to church. Taking my family back to church. Oh God, give us revival. Renew our hearts. Renew our lives today. And Lord, I pray for this church that we would be about the master's business we pray that you'd drive out all lukewarmness, all apathy, all distraction. Lord, that we would get focused on what you called us to do in building this church on this hill. We cry out for your great and supernatural help today. And Lord, we worship you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As we dismiss this first service, I want to ask you, would you please, this week, would you take time in your, in your private time, would you take time to pray and to seek the Lord for our church, for, for tremendous spiritual advancement? Remind you again, as we conclude, that this is a spiritual battle. It's not a flesh and blood battle. I've seen it over and over again. I've watched God's people get into a fervent spirit of prayer in a greater way. More people start praying and a spirit of prayer sweep the congregation. And every time that happens, the spiritual tide rises. All of a sudden, people just show up and start getting saved. Miracles start happening. But then I've watched when people get cold and stop praying, I've watched the services get tied and then think, you know, you know how it is. Why? Because God said, call upon me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Father, as we leave this place and get ready for this next service. I pray that your grace would rest upon this, your people. I pray the grace of God be with them, the love of God, and we walk in the communion of the Holy Spirit. And for this we ask in Jesus' name. God bless you today. Thank you for being in this first service.